you've talked to your contact person three or four times. They're completely on board. They bring in the CFO who's never seen anything. And now you have a problem because who do you address? Do you start from the beginning and talk to the CFO? Do you continue from where you are? Uh, and, and then you bring in a few more people and now you're in a real mess. Guys, we're back in the studio. Woohoo! When were we in the studio last? It was a. It was a while. We were often here, but not together. It was only. It was yeah. like ten hours ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a while ago. So, bro, what what have you been up to? What have we been up to? I What's mean, what's happening with Megadiz Advisory? I mean, we've gone from two people, beginning of last year, to what are we now? Seventeen? No, almost twenty. Oh my god! I mean, it is just amazing. These factories are uh, really pushing our our capacity and limits. It's. It's really fun. Yeah. Oh no. What are you? What are your reflections so far? I mean, this year's been amazing. Yeah. I think actually the coming year will be even, even more. Yeah. 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 Um, and we, I love the whole. We, we just started. Yeah, and the whole sustainability spin is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still. For those of you who haven't seen it, last night we were in a studio, but not our studio. Yeah. With three million live viewers mm. seeing how mega deals can impact the sustainability scale-ups. And therefore, make sure that we scale enough, mm. scale fast enough, so that we don't end up having great innovations, but they didn't save the world. It took too long time. Yeah. So they failed. Because you, you were on Earth Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we don't have time. Taking on Earth Day. Yeah. And we don't have time. I mean, we've had Ingmar here before. His organization pulled, pulled off a really amazing mega event. Yeah. So three million simultaneous live viewers. But I think... The YouTube recording will have at least 10 million viewers wow. in a few weeks. Probably more. I mean, last year they had 8 million viewers. I think the live the live session last year had only only a few hundred mm. thousand viewers. Now it was 3 million. So this year it will way, go way beyond the 8 million they reached at the end. But I love time. the whole movement around it's not just about great innovations because great innovations don't make the world a better place. It's when you actually scale and commercialize these innovations. I mean, there are three components, basically. There's great tech or great innovation. Sometimes concepts are existing tech, but blended in a new way. Mm. But great new concepts, innovations or tech. That's number one. Number two is amazing funding. Mm. All those two, I mean, both of those are in place, actually. There is a tremendous amount of money out there that is going green. I mean, just crazy. Mm. And there's a lot of tech. There's and enough good teams and smart people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's enough tech. There's enough money. There's enough smart people to 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 actually save the world. But the commercial scaling models, when selling into ecosystems, much like we talk about, um, well, it, it feels a bit like uh, for those who participated in the IT boom in the '90s, it feels a bit the same. Mm. It was tech people. All talks about amazing funding and tech. And where very little talks about commercial scaling. And I see it's like a deja vu. Yeah. I see the same now in and we see the same in the sustainability company. So we're kind of thrilled to work with more and more sustainability scale ups to implement and run the megadis discipline. I think it can have a 
an amazing impact. But also it's really hard. Right. I mean, this is not today's subject, but it's just, it's an interesting one. So let's just kind of tick it off. But um, it, it's also really hard to scale because the, there's two really complex components. One of them is most of the time, it's a new innovation that the world doesn't know about. So you have to, they have to educate the world about this new innovation and, and why it's good for the world. But the second component then to your point is um, they're also selling into these really complex ecosystems, mm. right? It's an immense consensus uh, machine. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, the knowledge... I mean, most sustainability, sustainability companies are in the megalith domain because it's often a blend of hardware, software, and people, so services, is very often connected to physical stuff. Mm. So you need uh, land leases, you need... Uh, environmental approvals, mm. you need government support, you need financial backers, you need subcontractors that are lining up together with you uh, in front of the client. And you're selling cross-geographically to different Yeah, you're parts selling cross-functionally. I mean, it, it, it literally covers all of our chapters. Yeah, it's really hard, yeah. yeah. Um, so, very good fit for us, uh, yeah. But anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about today, David. No. What are we talking I mean, about today? In a way, it's connected, uh, of course. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of a lot of money deals. pouring into this uh, sector, for example. Uh, but then, what do you do with that money? Because it's 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 in a way, it's easy to pour money. It's easy to use money, but it's about where do you make those investments? And also linked to what we are doing right now, when we are scaling, we have some issues and opportunities when we are when we're two people five people, 10 people, and the demand grow an equal speed. So when, when you are 20 people, it becomes more about, you know, delegating by the right system, the right technology, use the right methods, and always try to build away your reliance. So, so the reliance on you the dependency. So this is what we struggling with every day, or I would say think about every day and take action. So how could we do once and never again, or at least not that often by using the right systems, by using the right technology and the right way of working. Right content, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is also very linked to then the deal closing part because that's very much about taking away yourself uh, in, in the equation. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the deal closing part of the buying journey consumes the majority of the time. It's correct. relatively quick to to win the 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 wish from the client to buy. Yeah, but then to close the deal. It consumes a lot of time from the best salespeople and the best tech specialists, et cetera. It consumes yeah. a lot of time, but I think what many organizations we look at sometimes fail to understand is that the message in the stage where you go from unaware to wanting to buy and the message that goes then from wanting to buy to signing, which is what we call the deal closing message, is completely different. It's a complete different message. So before we go into deal closing and the details around it, could you, Christopher, just give us the summary of the first session we had around messaging where we talked about fundamental messaging and just set the scene and then lead us into to deal closing, which is the second part. 
Right. Before summarizing fundamental messaging that we covered last time, there, there, is, there are a few things that, if you look at the B2B buying journey, there are a few things that are consuming a tremendous amount of time, both on the client side and on the selling side. So first of all, customers are spending a tremendous amount of time figuring out which are the most important problems they have. And they spend a lot of time trying to prioritize which problems they want to solve, which often leads to some lineup of key initiatives. And, and that, that, is, that is battle number one. We, we, call, we often call that change drivers. So what are the most important change drivers? Secondly, once they've figured out, so these are our three to five most important things to crack in the coming one, two, three years. They spend a lot of time trying to figure out what are the alternative ways of solving it. it because it's not always the same type of solution. I mean, if you want to scale fast, you can quadruple your sales force, or you can implement mega deals, or you can, I mean, there's a gazillion of choices. And vendors here go way too fast into their own solution and talk too much about themselves and their direct competitors. But the customer is spending a lot of time figuring out, is this even the right path, the right route to success? So, which is we call what we call category choices. And then they spend a lot of time figuring out, once they've said, okay, we probably want to go with, uh, let's say the, the success factor in growing is a new CRM, just a stupid example. Then they want to figure out what types of CRMs are there, which is something we call the subcategory choices. And then once they've decided on that, they go, okay, what kind of uh, dimensions, capabilities, and functionalities do we need to have if we go with this type of CRM uh, in this subcategory? And they, they've refined that, both kind of the top top ones, top criteria, but they flesh it out typically in an Excel. It could have 200 rows with demands. This is what needs to be fulfilled. And then they look at the, which vendor to go with. And, and this, these, these are consuming a tremendous amount of time. What they then do, which consumes an, even more time, is to go, okay, let's say we now probably want to go, like Bora said, we probably have selected who we probably want to go with. Then you go into another time consumer, which is, okay, so how would, uh, which is what we call deal closing. Uh, first, that I just described is the fundamental pieces. Now we're into deal closing. So we're spending a lot of time figuring out, okay, what, what exactly will happen from now until we sign? What happens from signing until going live? And what's the ongoing relationship looking like? To spend a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, if what kind of integrations can we do we have these five systems. Can we integrate with them and how they ask quite, we call that deep dives. So deep dives around GDPR compliance, integrations, um, financial setup, uh, deep dives into certain functionality areas in, in the system or whatever you're selling, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of training is offered? So and these deal closing, which we're going to cover today, deal closing pieces are consuming, an, I mean, immense amount of time. Also trying to mitigate risk, which is also part of deal closing. With the different choices that yeah. we're evaluating. So what's the risk of choice number yeah, one? Yeah, what's, what's, the the ri uh, what's the risk profile of the, of the various, both various categories, subcategories, but also various vendors mm -hmm. in the selected subcategory? Uh, what are the risk profiles of them as companies? What they offer, the implementation method, et cetera, et cetera. And then they spend a lot of time driving consensus around what they would like to achieve. Uh, and and then the consensus is very related to how can you amplify dialogues within a company using Martech, but also and media, but also 
using orientational messaging that we'll cover in the following podcast, not today, where you take your topics and you put them in a bigger context, um, like writing about the top 20 companies in a certain industry or uh, talking about the future of, I don't know, AI or something, whatever is related to what you're selling. Uh, the future energy system, if you're into green tech or clean tech or sustainability. So basically the messaging architecture, it's there to have a secure and broad entry into the clients, the accounts that you want to sell to and that you want to grow. It is there to reduce time during the sales cycle. And it is there to amplify dialogues to win consensus. And uh, the deal closing part that we're going to talk about today is a lot about taking question marks into exclamation marks and it is to reduce time. I, I had lunch yesterday with a, a very interesting lady and her husband is a CTO of a relatively large tech company. And when I started to talk about deal closing with her and what it includes, she was like, yeah, my CTO husband, he's answering emails after midnight almost every evening connected to sales process because the salespeople cannot respond to certain technical questions. And he's doing this again and again and again, and he doesn't like it. And he also has been pulled into a variety of meetings, so he cannot spend enough time with the tech team because he's so needed in the most important sales processes that it kills his time and his life quality. Uh, so not only does the deal closing reduce time from the best salespeople, it reduces time from the best tech experts, the best implementation. facing Yeah, any customer-facing person. And activities. that is not just sales and marketing. It's exactly. tech, customer success, various thought leaders. Uh, I mean, you have great examples of this from your Amex years yeah. where you, in certain deals, flew in people from the U.S. to answer basically deal-closing questions. Mm -hmm. And how expensive is that? Mm -hmm. And how, sl how slow does it make the buying? Yeah. And uh, today you can't even do it because of COVID. Uh, during COVID, you can't do it. Uh, but... but um, even without COVID, it's a struggle. So not only does it reduce the life quality of the most important people because they're working their asses off, sorry for that expression, but it also slows down your growth. So deal closing is a lot about something you like, David. Do once and never again. So fundamental messaging is a lot about positioning out categories and subcategories and win against your competitors, creating checkmate situations really powerful stuff. Deal closing is more about how can we significantly reduce the time spent per key staff into each important deal and reduce the sales cycle, some of the length yeah. of it. When we look at, to your point, when we look at some of the deals that we did at Amex, but also at MoneyGram, for example, there were some really complicated deals. And the face time in the fundamental stage, so from unaware to wanting to buy, is 95% sales. Mm-hmm. When you go to and it's reasonably short, short. When you go into the, when the client goes, "Yep, I'm I'm really interested, but I want to yeah, I need to know this, on, I that, to which is the the risk mitigation, the deep dive, and all that kind of the deal closing phase. So, the 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 FaceTime of the organization to ninety percent is not sales anymore. No, it's all the other functions: mm. compliance, product, IT, mm. customer success, legal, yeah, legal. I mean, there are hordes. Mm. of teams that we were pulling in. Mm. I mean, there's one deal we, we were doing at MoneyGram. It was a huge deal across the Nordics where I probably had, I'm not kidding, I probably had 80 plus people right. involved. Wow. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. 
80 plus people involved mm. from my organization globally, mm. not just in the Nordics, globally. Cover all deal closing to items. To cover all the deal closing items yeah. around, yeah. you know, comp- I mean, we had workshops around mm. compliance. We had workshops mm. around IT. We had workshops DPR, around. Da, da, da. And yeah. there were documents being sent and there were meetings being held and they were coordinated between the US and the Nordics. And it was, and it just, it just goes on and on and on. And this is why, I mean, since it's so expensive and so time consuming, this is why most companies are doing cross-functional deals into matrix organizations, et cetera. I mean, the mega deal space, they need to have an investment decision. So you can't just start to pull those 80 people in. You need to present to uh, top management. You need to go, okay, we have this potential deal. It's now progressed to this stage. Uh, now I want to start to pull in resources around this case to close it. That is a, in most smart companies anyway, a conscious decision. It's not just ad hoc. It's a, it's a deliberate decision saying, okay, we have a go ahead on this deal. I mean, that's, that's what we've seen in all our research and also deals that we all have participated in. There is like a, a committee that decides, are we going to invest in this deal? To bring it home and the, the, the odds need to be good enough uh, you need to uh, know who you're up against both categories subcategories and competitors and you, you you need to know that the customer is really committed as well otherwise you can't make that investment because as soon as you start to pull those I mean eight is pretty extreme but we've seen cases like that in, in the research obviously but many companies that are listening are probably pulling in five people but that uh, that is often expensive enough when you start to pull in five of your most important people they're typically bottlenecks they're typically working evenings weekends uh stressed out and 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 the cool thing the hope in this is when you do the deal closing messaging and the related content well it is like moving from a, a third world factory with dust and manual work into this bmw shiny automated factory with i would a, say mercedes a, Okay, Mercedes. Yeah, that's kidding. Cool. <laughs> I would say Volvo. Oh, hey, hey, Porsche. Come on, Porsche. Okay, yeah. Porsche. Uh, it, it, Porsche. If you move into this blend of of smart humans that are spending the time on the most most tricky stuff, and then machinery of videos and martech, and, and then you can systematically close large deals without that immense investment. So uh, what, we, I mean, what, we what often you get usually look at is mm. the organizational part. So you 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 start to think about so. Uh, can we organize us in a different way, mm. uh, especially if, if a new leader comes mm. in? Mm. Or you think, I have uh, two less of, a, of a resources in, in this area. For example, legal. I mm. need more legal mm. people. Mm. Uh, and and if, you are, if you are in a matrix and you have expertise sitting in another country, mm. you start to look at, can I, can I add that resource here locally mm. instead? Mm. Uh, but it's not the only solution to the problem. I would say a better solution is to sort out your messaging, turn that into powerful content in mm. terms of, for example, videos. Full funnel, short, long. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Let the experts talk in front of the camera, answer all the relevant questions. And it's not about taking you away as this legal expert. You might think, well, then I don't have a job tomorrow. No. It's the opposite, actually. Then you can focus on the real interesting Yeah, you can que- support 50 simultaneous deals instead and, of five. And to your point, yeah. work on 50 deals simultaneously. 
then you don't have to go to, so if I were, when I was working as head of the Nordics, uh, if there was a big deal going on, I would need to call my leader who talked to the leader of the legal department or the tech or the implementation department, who then said, yeah, well, you can have this resource. Uh, and it's, that's not the way we wanted to work in a, in a factory, right? We, we, we want just this off the shelf. So let me give you an example. I mean, let's just bring it to life. So we were doing a deal with MoneyGram for a bank across the Nordics. Now, first of all, we're dealing with money transfer. So from a legal and a compliance perspective, a lot of red flags from anti-money laundering, terrorist financing, all this kind of stuff. And we're selling into a bank, highly, highly regulated across four different markets, right? So you can just imagine how involved compliance is how many meetings compliance have in the deal closing phase? I mean, you know, 50, 60, 70 meetings. How many workshops they're sitting in, right? Yeah. So, and you could probably take 80, 85% of what compliance shares in these discussions and put it on a video, put it into or documents. A set of videos. Put yeah. it into, yeah. yeah. There's and, another factor there, which is often forgotten. So most of these meetings are, are many to many meetings. So you have several people on the selling side. Yeah facing several people on the customer side, just as time you spend finding slots in the calendars oh. for this many-to-many -many meetings yeah. is horrendous. Yeah. So you get the delay, lead time delays, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you take yeah, time consumption, you have coordinators. And, and, and they sit time. in different countries. Yeah, across yeah, yeah. The, so yeah. you've got to coordinate time yeah. zones. Some people getting up at six in the morning, others mm. are calling, mm. have to leave mm. dinner to be mm. at nine at night. Now, the second thing is, and, and I'm sure many, many companies can relate to this, the technical integration of taking the money transfer system and integrating it into a bank's system. I mean, a nightmare. And I think many companies can relate to this when it comes to integrations. Just imagine the resources from IT that have to be involved from both sides. And not just IT here in the Nordics, but we had specialists in the US, in Dallas and others, having to get on calls at weird times at night. You could take 70, 80% of that information that they're giving to the customer and put it into a set of videos, put it into a set of documents. Yeah. Right? And I could go on and on about procurement mm. and all the other areas. And it still leaves. I mean, the cool thing here is that the experts are still needed, obviously. 100%. I mean, first, first of all, they prefer working normally, internally, with their tech development, etc. But they are needed externally. But you can then pull in the, for example, security expert answering the delta 100%. between the questions that almost everyone are asking. And this particular client, they actually have three questions that are unique. Yeah. And then that expert can spend on them. And that's actually engaging because yeah. really smart people like the new questions. They go, oh, three new questions. Yeah, I yeah. love those. Yeah. Uh, that is challenging me. Yeah. But answering the other 95 questions for the 40th yeah. time is boring. And imagine if you lift expensive. that out yeah. into videos, into documents, how much time you are saving, how much money you are saving in the organization and how much better and more engaging you're making the life of product and tech mm. and yeah, IT yeah. is just, it's transformational. Yeah, yeah. Probably those three questions are the most pivotal questions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right, so you can spend a lot of time on those yeah. instead of everything else that yeah, is exactly. just repeat, repeat, yeah. which is also very boring to yeah. say the same things over and over again or write the same email over and over again. Yeah. So gents, this word factory keeps being juggled around. Uh, maybe we want to just um, explain what is the factory. Yeah. 
I, I mean, the the if if I give my take on it, so we we started running a workshop series with our clients, looking at how to grow an existing client and how to win a new one, and comparing how they work today compared to how they would work following the Megadis discipline. Very popular workshop series that we still and will continue to sell. Uh, then when releasing the client into that transformational journey, we saw that the sales side could actually be upgraded from, I mean, very focused on actually moving from classical sales to be sales and media hybrids. That transformation can be done with a set of new workshops. So a lineup of new workshops, you can make that transition and change their behaviors. The marketing side, though, uh, is first of all underdimensioned severely. Uh, we see a 50-50 split is now the the, the norm between mm. marketing and sales in, in budgets, and that's, for the laggards, not the case. So In enterprise and mega Yeah, so they need to move up in, in marketing spend entirely, but they also need to change so much on how they do things, going from lead generation to deal orientation. When moving into a deal-oriented marketing, there, it's, it's, a, it's not a simple move. So what we've seen in our earlier clients is that when we release them to do that themselves, they will fail. So we then created a way in a lower risk and faster way to transform them, which is that we come in and say, okay, we create the marketing factory. We fill it with content and MarTech and KPIs and the cadence and all that kind of stuff for, let's say, one segment during six to 12 months for a client. And we actually do the job. And then we release the keys to the factory layers back to the client. And the factory includes the messaging and the positioning. It includes, I mean, everything from 13 to 29 videos, depends, I mean, the different packages. It includes uh, 14, or, I mean, that changes every day, but quite a number of MarTech and media techniques and KPI structures, governance model, et cetera. And we put that in place explosively instead of coaching them and, and they'll fail. So it's easier. I mean, the analogy here is that it's easier for a client to take people from the, the third world factory into this Mercedes, David, factory when it's already set up instead of saying to the client, so here's the map of the factory, mm. the drawings. Go do it. Here are all the 14 vendors you should go to and buy this stuff. And this is the KPIs. Good luck. Instead of doing that, which is a high risk move, we, we, we go, okay, we do this for one or several segments for you. And then when you're ready, we, we populate your stuff back and start and to hand over the keys to the hand factory. Over the keys, yeah, which is a, a low risk and faster time to market model mm. than the regular change management route. Mm. And hiring a lot of people into the factory. That Yeah, I mean, I mean, the issue as well is that not only is it tricky to make that move, it is a tricky discipline. It's very, very effective. A and there are not enough people in the market that can do those things because they're kind of new job titles. Like before, it was very heavy on events, on on roll-ups, on on on, uh, on lead generation emails, etc. Those are, yeah, I mean, you do have those still, but they're not as important, especially not in enterprise megadeals. They're not so important. There are other things that are more important, like content, video content in particular, uh, messaging, typically not a skill that you find in the common market here, how to develop messaging platform. They don't know how to do that. Uh, I mean, there are ex exceptions, but uh, most don't. And there, when people look into MarTech, they typically go, yeah, I know HubSpot or yeah, I know Google. Yeah, I know Google and Facebook and HubSpot, but all the 14, I mean, tomorrow's maybe 17 or 12, or whatever, but the whole mix 
Uh, and even we notice this when we recruit. We need to train everyone we recruit because we can find no one in the market that knows the whole mix. And even if they would know the tools, they don't know how to apply it in a s- symphony of okay. orchestration. So good summary. Thanks for just giving a, a much more comprehensive explanation of the factory because we keep saying the factory. And you will all hear more about the factory and see more, more about the factory because it's really the... And if you want to see a video about the factory, ping us. We'll ping us, yep. yeah. Let's come back to the subject at hand, which is deal closing messaging, right? So let's just summarize. So the fundamental messaging is the messaging gets you from unaware to wanting to buy. The deal closing messaging gets you from wanting to buy to signing the deal, right? So what are some of the things we said? Number one, the messaging completely changes, right? So it's from getting the the, um, stakeholders interested, engaged, and wanting to know more and wanting to buy to answering a ton of questions around deep dives, et cetera, et cetera. So we've given examples around deep dives. But another really key, there's two more key components in the deal closing messaging. One of them is what we call risk mitigation. And the other one is what we call consensus driving or driving consensus. So let's just talk a bit about risk mitigation, right? So the first key element is that the, the customer wants to know more Everything about- Everything under the deal closing umbrella. And yeah. deal closing, wants to know more about how it is to work with you, How does the IT piece work? What does the implementation look like? How does the relationship look like? But then they also want to, as you were saying before, mitigate the risk as much as possible for making this decision, right? So let's talk a bit about some effective tools and techniques around that. So one really key thing is reference videos, right? So where you have customers talking about you in a video. But when we say talking about you, there's nothing more powerful when a customer of yours goes through your fundamental messaging in a video. So when they talk about what were some of the change drivers and the pains that they are experiencing in their environment, what were some of the category choices that they were evaluating in between and subcategory choices that they were evaluating in between, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah? Anyone want to share more about that? Yeah, Yeah, can I add that it's it's about building trust. Mm. And that fundamental message you build your messaging around when the customer is mirroring that in their reference story, that's really powerful. Uh, but I'll, I'd like to add a few things. So in a reference story, you can also intentionally preempt certain deep dives. Uh, like um, uh, if, if you know that customers are constantly worried about two, three things, you can build that in. So mm. on top of mirroring the, the fundamental messaging, you actually take some of the deep dives and objections that you, I mean, if, if there are a few that you constantly meet, mm. you preempt them by having the customer talk about them. So they, they can say things like, well, actually, I take one from our world. Um, uh, so when I looked at Megadis from the outside, it felt like this is only a discipline for the gazillion dollar deals. So I didn't, I didn't pay attention to them. But, but then once I got engaged with them, I understood this discipline is actually about orchestration and orchestration occurs when you move from selling as a single individual when, uh, when you, and start to sell a market as a team and do it cross-functionally on the customer side. So that's when you need an orchestration discipline and Megadis is an orchestration discipline. And once I realized that, I was super engaged and mm. we eventually bought from, from Megadis Advisory. That could be in a reference story as a way to preempt a kind of silent objection that would appear in the market. And since we're also talking about reference uh, videos, I can also add that a very effective tool is to talk about 
your flaws or when you didn't succeed. It actually went the opposite the way around. You messed it up completely and the customer actually talks about it openly in that video. Yeah. And then how you together mm. um, took the responsibility and fixed it. Mm. So because we're, we're not perfect. I mean, we're humans. Things go wrong. And when you buy really complex stuff, things go wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. So be open about your mistakes, your flaws, your shortcomings. Let me how, give you how another, you flip them around. Let, exactly. let me give you another uh, real, uh, one more great example that recently happened. So we had the CEO of a company that we are talking to at the moment that could potentially be one of our clients. Um, we hooked him up with the COO of one of our existing factory clients, right? Because he wanted to kind of understand how is this, how does the factory work and so on. And, and one of the, one of the both risks that he was concerned about, but also it's a deep dive was, well, isn't it just better to hire more salespeople versus doing the factory? And the COO of, of our existing client, you know, explained to the COO that the, the pain, yeah, the pain of one, hiring all these people, which takes probably a year to a year and a half before you've got them, they're up and running and et cetera. But then the risk of trying to find people that really both on the sales side, so rainmakers, but also on the marketing side that really understand how to orchestrate deals and how to market this type of orchestration is really hard to find. So that just doing this takes a year and a half to two years, but then the risk of failing after that because you can't find the right people, the risk of that is significantly bigger than, this is how, she, how this person explained it, than deploying the factory, right? So that's another example of both risk mitigation, but also deep dive. Yeah. Another, one of my favorite uh, deal closing, uh, it's under risk mitigation. So deal closing, total big umbrella, under sub umbrella, risk mitigation, there is something we all love, which is history, present, future. So one way to reduce the feeling of risk on the customer side is actually being able to tell the story of how your industry related to the customer segment has shifted. So I, I read a great story the other day where uh, CAD, so I'm targeting architects, a CAD company, one of their ways to sell was that they, they talked about how architects in the past lived without CAD programs, how that really worked. And then they, they showed the transition in a video moving towards how they execute today in CAD programs, and then they did an outlook. So this is what we think the relationship between architect and technical tools will look like with augmented reality, et cetera, in the future. And if you tell that story, if you give a correct description of the history that resonates with your audience and you plant yourself into the current, don't make the mistake to plant yourself in the future, plant yourself in the current state, even though you're new, and then you talk about a credible future and you talk about your phenomenon in the present, not you. So it's a neutral description, but it gives a solid history description, current state, and future outlook. If that story is credible, your customer feels that you are a less risky choice because, okay, this vendor, they might be inferior on in these functionality areas, but they've understood it. They're on the right path. That is also a great risk mitigation tool. But I also like about the by effects of making really good D 
deal closing content in terms of, for example, the videos is that it educates the, the people within your company. Yeah, so your own staff. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, I mean, for an onboarding purpose, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's also, I mean, I, I don't know how many hours, uh, days, months I spent, for example, with, with the legal part. And then I, I mean, I used to be mm. uh, a lawyer. That's a great point. But yeah. in one of the deals we did at Amex, we spent four years and it was a mega deal. I think we could have reduced it by two years, mm. actually, but by just doing the way we talk about today. here, here today. Yeah. Um, and probably reduced quite a few man hours. Oh, I mean... Yeah, if I could go back in if time. So you mean you would buy this time. if you still were the Nordic leader of Amex? Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could turn back time. <laughs> if I... No, but seriously, let's come back to the point. So there was one, <laughs> one final piece of the deal closing phase, and that's what we call driving consensus. So there's, there's two key principles driving the importance of driving consensus in the deal closing phase. The first one is the principle of frequency. So the key with driving consensus is to frequently get your messaging in front of the client. So if you don't do that and you go into a meeting and you present what you want to present, and you go away from that meeting and then they don't see your content prior to the meeting or after the meeting in different formats through different tactics, people forget you're not top of mind. Even in the deal closing phase, it's absolutely critical that you continue to frequently get your messaging in front of the client with different types of content and different types of tactics. This is really important. The second principle of why it's important to do in the deal closing phase is you're constantly getting new stakeholders into the game, right, in a big deal. So you may talk to one person that becomes, you know, they bring in their boss, they then bring in product, they then bring in IT, then they bring in a CFO or CFO and all that. So all these new people that are coming in, they've got no clue who you are and what you do and, and your, your fundamental messaging at all. So it's really important. They can block the deal. They can, they can completely kill the deal. So it's really important that they are also seeing frequently your fundamental messaging, even if you're in the deal closing phase of the mm. deal. So mm. the first ele- element... Because they're less, they're less into the topic. So exactly. You need to, so you need to bring them up to speed yeah. because otherwise, we, look, we've all been there. You go into a meeting. Yeah, they're sitting with their arms crossed, sit, uh, looking and, sour. Yeah, not only that, but you, you, you've, you've talked to your contact person three or four times. They're completely on board. They bring in the CFO who's never seen anything. And now you have a problem because uh, who do you address? Do you start from the beginning and talk to the CFO? Do you continue from where you are? Uh, and and then you bring in a few more people and now you're in a real mess. Yeah. So that's why you need to sprinkle in the yeah. fundamental building credibility exactly. along exactly. the way. Exactly. Even if you're going into the exactly. deal closing. It's critical. Yeah. So the deal closing uh, in percentage rises. So you have more yeah. and more deal closing yeah. content. But do not forget yeah. to keep. Top uh, of mind, top of mind. And the new the people that are coming in. So it's top of mind, top of mind, new people that are coming in. Yeah. Great. So what we realized in the research is that the the best companies in the world they have a split of about 50-50 when it comes to sales and marketing from an organizational design perspective uh you Christopher who is one of the few that can actually see the future you believe and i believe as well since you convinced me that it will be probably about 70-30 so with an overweight on marketing in terms of investment people etc. Uh, but 
in Megadis Advisory, the company that we build, uh, do we eat our own dog food? How does it lo look where we are? So, so we are already uh, we are already on the future outlook. Like we're not on the fifty fifty. We're way beyond that. So basically, Bora is spending half of his time selling. I do probably ten percent. Uh, you do maybe five percent. Uh, the rest of the team is either working on our own marketing factory, and, and that is uh, about four people, I would say. So four to so. Altogether, we're slightly less than one FT on sales, and we're four on marketing, and then we have external spend. So you're probably five to one. So we have 80, 20 uh, already in, in, in favor of marketing, and we're growing like crazy. Yeah, so setting uh, up the MarTech. Yeah, MarTech, content, content ads, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. messaging. Uh, that is dominating uh, our go-to-market spend, and... We don't do any cold calls at all. We've we, not never done one. No, we've never done one. We we uh, we're using our own medicine, our own recipe. We're eating our own dog food, as you said, uh, and it totally works. Even for us, when we're a very small organization, uh, we're I mean, literally, what is it, nineteen or something? Um, probably twenty-five, two months. <laughs> but anyway, um, and and we're growing organically, so there's no external funding. It's purely customer-funded growth, and it's very, very high pace, uh, and it even works great for us. And, and and to be honest, we have implemented less than half of the factory ourselves. There's a lot of deal-closing stuff that is not done yet. We're now remaking some of the fundamental-related videos because the early ones we did, like, with a smartphone, and, I mean, great content, and some of you might have seen it, great content, but... Production quality really low, yeah. creativity uh, not so high mm. either. So it's not where we want to be. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, I mean, our ambition is to take B two B, megadis and enterprise related marketing to at least the level of Samsung and, and Apple and those kind of companies. So really high quality, high creativity, high quality, but still very heavy on 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 messaging, and that is powerful and that's very, very engaging. I mean, yeah, and we. We don't say this to brag or anything. Just to say that, I mean, it, it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and we did the same at Clamon. Unfortunately, there's some technical child, child diseases that, but we grew from three to $90 million using the alpha version of this discipline uh, in, in during two years. Yeah. Because if, if I look at Megadeals advisory from the outside, I can see that you know, we, we are adding a lot of people. But then we say, it's not just about adding people. But so that's why I why I want to make this distinction that the people we add to it's it's not salespeople. No, it's, no, no, no. It's the other way around. No, we're not even considering adding people acquiring new clients. That is not on our list. So so we probably no now it's eighty twenty marketing sales mm. probably ninety ten soon. Mm. Yeah, mm. we we don't need totally. Yeah, yeah. So good. now Bora is exceptionally good yeah yeah worth Still mentioning probably the but actually but this is really it's actually a relevant comment because most companies that we, yeah most companies that we see they're doing enterprise and mega deals they do have this rainmaker dependency so the key is not because you can't find those unicorns i mean they're not they're not and they're not very many boras out there uh he's smiling now so stop there are not many it. boras out there uh, so what you need to do is try stop trying to find those because you'll struggle and if you find them, you're paying, I mean, several hundred thousand dollars per year. They're very expensive and high risk to recruit. They require 
a gazillion options. I mean, pretty, pretty heavy, heavy duty, and still the risk of failing. So instead, take your rainmakers and build a heavy marketing factory around those and go way beyond the 50-50. I mean, 50-50 for most listening is like, wow, 50% of the go-to-market budget on marketing? That's crazy. Mm. No, it's too little. Mm. It's too little. Mm. And then it's about how, how can we make a rainmaker li- like Bora just stepping into the uh, to the surgery? Yeah, gloves. Li- exactly. Pen blade. Yeah. So he, Do this he, sophisticated he's not stuff. doing the dishes. No. Uh, he's not doing oh, the thank God. This infection, etc. setting up everything. Just coming in, do his thing, and then he leaves. It's the same with the technical, hence the deal closing chapter or this episode. Deal closing is pulling a lot of time from your best people. So yeah. it's stopping, yeah, that's it's, what it's, it's blocking your growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even the technical people and the customer success and what have you, top management people. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. So I think we're done uh, for today, uh, right, guys? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, important call to action. So there is a, a recorded, uh, unlisted webinar about deal closing. If you ping any of us, so David Christopher Bora on LinkedIn or first name at magnets.com, we will send you a hidden link to the recorded webinar about deal closing with a bit more examples than we we went through today uh, and also slides where you see the models. Yeah, you find the fundamentals in the book, but then we're evolving and iterating all the time. So the latest greatest is... Sometimes on LinkedIn, sometimes in our updated webinars, etc. So keep following us, guys. And this was the second part out of three when it comes to messaging. So if you haven't listened to the first one where we talk about fundamental messaging, go back to that episode, listen to this one again, maybe. And then there will be a third one where we talk about orientational messaging. So how do you bring in the broader audience and also how do you amplify the dialogues within your accounts or and how the do you engage account? the C level and how do you engage the C level in your dialogues so that is what we are looking forward to but until next time have an amazing rest of your day and stay safe bye now <laughs>